Hello and welcome back to The Hum. I am Karina Dross. I am an astrologer at Flax and Gold and one half of Abacus Corvus. And this is the bonus episode that you get on The Hum and the Holler feed. This tells you all the things you need to know of astrological importance from new moon to new moon. And we begin this episode with the new moon in Gemini, which will be exact at 9 degrees and 3 minutes on May 30th, 7.30 a.m. here on the East Coast of the U.S. And I have a few things to say about this particular new moon. To begin, this lunation marks the end to eclipse season, for which I offer a very fervent alleluia this eclipse season. I don't know about you all, but for me and for the world in general, it seems, has been a particularly rough one. Eclipses always highlight the places where healing needs to happen or new information needs to be integrated. And eclipses themselves can function much like a Pluto transit in that their way of bringing things to the light can be shocking, can be disorienting, can feel fracturing and fragmented. Often what happens during an eclipse, what we learn, what we experience, takes us time to integrate. And now that we're moving away from eclipse season, we are, we are beginning that process of what do we do now with what has happened over the last six weeks, personally, collectively, globally. This new moon in Gemini is a kind of beautiful energy for beginning that work. To begin with, Gemini is an energy that initiates a process of curiosity. I always think about the signs in polarity, how each sign balances and complements the sign that it is opposite. I learned this from my teacher, Emily Trinkos, many years ago. It is pure, pure genius to think about how each sign exists always, always in relationship with the other signs. So I think of Gemini as in relationship most closely with Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is the sign that when it becomes excessive, as all signs do eventually, when Sagittarius becomes excessive, there is dogmatism. There is narrow-minded self-righteousness. There is the feeling that my belief system is more important than any new data that might come in to challenge it or open me up to other possibilities and other questions. We see this writ large in the movement, especially here in the U.S., toward conspiracy theories, toward the sense of there is one big capital T truth and I know it and no one else does. You're either either with me or you're against me and knowing this one core truth And any data that comes in that can challenge my story, I can immediately dismiss because of my sheer sense of how right I am. I also want to say, I'm not ragging on Sagittarius. Every single sign has its shadow side. I love me some Sagittarius energy. It has its benefits as well. I've got Sagittarius in my chart. I love it. It is is good for helping you get in touch with your intuition when you are too full of doubt, right? But what Gemini does to help heal the excesses of Sagittarius is it brings us to a place 
where we can think with more acuity, more curiosity, and a little bit more detachment about what's really happening. So Gemini allows us to look at the old, rigid, stifling, suffocating sort of stories that, we're, that we feel trapped in. Whether they are cultural narratives about what is possible or, you know, what, what always happens. I'm thinking right now about all of the things in, in my country, in the United States, that play out cyclically as expressions of deep collective damage. Most notably, the mass shootings of, of the last week, as, as I'm recording this. When this happens, we trot out the same story. And by we, I mean the public. I mean the public facing, the journalism, the politicians, the activists on both sides of the gun issue. You know, that there's, there, is, um, there is very little new to be said about these situations, these tragedies when they happen to such an extreme degree that a satirical newspaper, The Onion, has been publishing the same article satirizing journalism around this word for word every single time this happens in the U.S. And I think they're on their 22nd reprinting of that article this year alone. You might want to fact check me on those numbers. I always get numbers a little fuzzy. The point being, Gemini energy encourages us to look at things from an entirely different perspective, to become curious about assumptions we had never yet questioned, and to do so in service to the strangeness, the uniqueness, the, the contextual uh, complexity, the mystery, and the possibility of change in, in this world. So this new moon in Gemini is happening with a few other things fairly prominent during, during the moment of exactness. And one of those is that there are two outer planets in touch with Mercury, ruler of Gemini. One is an exact square from Saturn, and the other is a somewhat looser trine from Pluto. Saturn and Pluto help us structure and prioritize, help us go deep and take things seriously, and take whatever time we need to get to the core truths, to the bedrock of what matters. You'll notice I say truths with, with an S at the end. When I'm speaking about Plutonian truths, I'm speaking about experiences that are transformative, that set us on our course, and that always leave room for more learning, for more unfolding, for more transforming. These allies, helping out Mercury, which is in retrograde during this lunation, bring a little bit more of like a heavy and serious vibe to what is otherwise a, an effervescent energy. Gemini is, you know, it's champagne froth. It is a cloud of butterflies. It is that joyous multiplicity of, of things lifting up into the air with a sense of expansive curiosity. Often Gemini energy helps us get unstuck from where, where we take ourselves too seriously. 
This is not entirely true on this lunation. As you'll notice, the world is in rough shape right now. Globally, we are continuing to experience shocks and tragedies and uncertainties on an unprecedented scale, and none of us really has the tools for approaching the situation, which is a first time for all of us, right? So Gemini energy brings the possibility of learning how to do something for the first time. And this Saturn aspect and this Pluto aspect are encouraging this learning to go more than surface level, to go deeper, to latch onto a sustainable directed, goal-oriented project of some kind. So I would say this is a lunation that really aids us in deeper understanding, integration, and approach towards what we don't yet know and what we want to be changing. Kind of gorgeous energy for this new moon. Also, now that the eclipse season is over, feel free to do all of your rituals and your magic and your candles on the new moon, anything you might do to set intention or to ask questions around the new moon energy is now, do it. It's perfect. It's not going to be uh, like you're trying to harness a, a tsunami when you're just, you know, going out in your sailboat. So that is May 30th, new moon in Gemini. Following soon after the new moon in Gemini, on June 3rd, Mercury will be stationing direct. This means, while we are still in this beginning Gemini season, ruler of Gemini moving forward is a good thing. It helps smooth and clarify and make a clearer path for our actions, our intentions, how we communicate, what we're trying to do, all things that we do with our minds, essentially. This is a, a good sign. But... I also like to send us a little bit backwards on, on the day that it stations direct. This is the day of standstill. It will be moving forward, right? Apparent forward motion starting the next day, June 4th. But June 3rd is the day of no longer moving backward, a bit of a standstill before moving forward. And on the day when Mercury stations direct, I think it's really useful, especially over this past eclipse season, where we all are in this moment, to do some integration work, to think back to the last several weeks of this Mercury retrograde period and ask yourself, what has been difficult for me? What has been difficult to understand or express? What new information have I learned and how am I integrating it? Have I been able to? Have I been pushing it away? What would integration look like moving forward? And how do I start moving towards clarity? around these things. And on June 10th, we will have Mercury trying Pluto, that aspect that we saw leading up to perfection on the new moon, will perfect on this day. This is when it becomes exact. So it carries forward a lot of those same themes that I spoke about for the new moon itself, which have to do with a deepening into meaning and purpose. A trine is a harmonious aspect. Mercury is our thinking selves, the part of ourselves that does storytelling, meaning-making, understanding, communication, 
writing, all, all of these things. And Pluto helps us deepen into core truths that we often don't, <laughs> that we often shy away from or would rather not look at, would rather bury away in the basement of our psyches somewhere. So a Mercury trine Pluto day is a beautiful day to get real with yourself, to get real with someone else, and to do so in a loving way, to do so in an accepting way, but to notice how you are ready to see a deeper truth and to move toward it. The next transit this month is a Venus conjunction with Uranus. This is on the very next day, June 11th. And this is the first of several Venus transits that are kind of the core story of June. June is a chiller month astrologically than the recent months have been. And Venus is the main player. Venus is our experience of what we love and value in this world. So when Venus moves through the sky, what we experience through Venus aspects and Venus transits through different signs is looking at different aspects of our own capacity to love, our own capacity to experience pleasure, and to move toward what we value. Uranus, outer planet, is the queer revolutionary wild card of the whole ensemble. And Uranus is an energy that electrifies and instigates big, exciting, kind of roller coaster type changes. I like to use the word roller coaster because some people find them very fun and some people find them not fun at all. But it's not a Pluto transit. This isn't about staring your own death into the face and, and really reckoning with the mortality and loss and trauma of the world. Uranus wants us to be focused on how could this be better in a way that requires courage and vision. Uranus pushes us to kind of, you know, kill the cops in our heads, to topple the hierarchy of thinking that we have absorbed from all the various ways our culture teaches us, this is what's acceptable, this is what you can and can't do. When Venus gets together with Uranus, there is a strong potential for us to experience a sense of freedom, excitement, and restlessness, that's sort of the shadow side of this one, around how we are experiencing love, pleasure, moving toward a life that is in alignment with what we value. So on a day like this, how you experience this transit will have a lot to do with, number one, how comfortable are you with Uranian energy just in your own life? If you are a strongly Uranian person, this might be a more exciting transit for you. If you are not so much, this might be a more stressful transit for you. So that's the first piece. And then the second piece is, what do you need to discover? What, how free do you need to get in this moment? And then how troubling are the consequences of that? This is a transit that can help shift relationship dynamics that have gotten stagnant or oppressive. If that's a big deal for you, if there's a relationship you really need to shift and there's high stakes, this can be a day where there's energy for that. And it might be kind of like a, you know, leap now kind of energy. Like, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to have that conversation, 
to make a choice, to make a decision. If on the other hand, you are aligned, if you find in your relationships, in your artistic practices as well, in your experience of pleasure in your body, all Venusian things, if you find that you're mostly aligned, if you're, if you're mostly like, yeah, these are the choices that do feel good for me, this is a day that can be inspiring to expand you a little further toward what is fun. You know, Venus conjunct Uranus can be a day where you just call up an old friend and you're like, hey, haven't talked to you forever. It's me. I, st I still love you. I still want to think about you. How is your life right now? Let's talk, right? It's, it can be um, as, as mundane or as transformative as you need in this moment. So that is the transit for June 11th, Venus conjunct Uranus. And on the 14th, we have a full moon. This one is a full moon in Sagittarius. And during this lunation, the moon will be squared to Neptune and sextile to Saturn. So let's get into it. Full moons are always times of releasing. The energy has reached a culmination point. It is like a wave at its highest crest, and it begins to fall back at this point. Working with a full moon in Sagittarius, we might ask ourselves, how can I celebrate and release any Sagittarian energy that has served me until now and that I'm ready to let go of? We spoke earlier on this episode about the shadow side of Sagittarius, and I think it's important to name how bad things can get in our world and to name, yeah, I think Sagittarian energy can be mapped onto QAnon, conspiracy theorists, the religious right, people trying to ban all, all of the ways that we have body autonomy and gender autonomy in our world, right? I think we can map Sagittarius onto those. And it is crucially important that we also find that same energy within ourselves, even if it looks different, to notice it isn't just those people over there. They are the enemies. They are the ones who are doing it bad. And we don't have any of that in us. So on full moon in Sagittarius day, it might be a good time to check your dogma, to notice where am I holding rigidity around my own rightness? Where am I holding a sense of self-importance that ignores or overrides the experiences and truths of people that are different from me, that are uh, whose experiences and stories are, are unfamiliar, uh, that, that would, they would require me to sit and listen and think and expand my perspective in order to really get where they're coming from. And I may never get where they're coming from. And that too is important to know. So full moon in Sagittarius, check your dogma a little bit, check your self-righteousness and know that I'm not talking about abandoning your core truths, right? I'm not talking about abandoning what is central to your ethics, to your values, but rather just noticing where you may be losing touch a bit with the full range of your humanity through I mean, I don't want to say laziness because I think laziness, number one, might not exist and number two might be a good thing. But where, where Sagittarius gets into trouble is in a kind of quickness, a kind of, I, I think I already know the answer to this, so I'm not going to do my research. It's that 
self-confidence, which can at times be really helpful and at times can, can bite you in the ass. So notice on June 14th where Sagittarius energy has maybe helped you, has, has propelled you to where you are, and now it is time to release a little bit. The aspects to this full moon are, are interesting because we have a challenge from Neptune, which is the planet of anxiety and fantasy. Also a planet of compassion, mysticism, imagination, all things oceanic. But through its square, it tends to highlight the ways we can get caught up in an imaginative reality rather than feeling grounded. At the same time, this full moon is in a sextile with Saturn, which is the planet that helps us feel grounded. When I see these two planets together in any kind of aspect pattern, what it tells me is that in the best of all possible worlds, you can use this energy to draw from the, the worlds of imagination, of compassion, of being in intuitive touch with the non-ordinary world. You can draw from that and do something useful with it through Saturn. Saturn can help structure, contain, and make tangible the ideas, impressions, thoughts, impulses that Neptune kicks up. That's the best way to work with this energy. On the downside, what it can also feel like is Neptune and Saturn working to cross purposes, where you, you're, you're full of the kind of dreamy, brainstorming energy of everything could be anything, what does it all mean, maybe this, maybe that, and then Saturn is there as a frustrating, limiting energy. So notice on the 14th the potential for frustration and feeling kind of aimless or lost or blocked, and do what you can in your life, in your energetic pursuits on the 14th, to be pulling what matters from your intuitive experience toward the thing in the real world that you want to direct it toward. And I'm speaking, <laughs> speaking in big, big generalities. One example of this could just be, I have been trying to write a novel for years, and on a Neptune, square of the moon, Saturn sextile of the moon kind of day, I might sit down and be like, now's the day I'm going to get this work done and find myself writing, uh, I don't know, a series of sonnets instead. And my options are to stop and say, no, I'm not writing sonnets, I'm writing a novel. Perhaps I'm a novelist for, by profession, and I this is my income. I need to put the sonnets aside for a second, right? And, and direct my creative energy back toward the structure that pays my bills, even if Saturn, I'm like, it's not as fun for me right now, I'd rather write a sonnet. That's one, one way this can work out. Another way this can work out is that you give yourself permission to write some sonnets and you say, yeah, you know what? I write sonnets for an hour, I take a walk, I come back and work on my novel. This also, I'm just saying this out loud right now, I'm like, what a beautiful day. <laughs> what if you could just write sonnets for an hour and then write a novel? In any case, Neptune and Saturn, both working together, have that kind of energy of how are you going to structure and work with the inspiration and ideas that are coming through, whether they're positive or negative, right? Because Neptune can also be anxieties. What do I do with my fears? But Saturn asks, how do you structure them in a way that is time-based, 
that understands the limits of reality and of your daily life and routines, but lets those energies come through. So all of this is going on on the full moon in Sagittarius day. What I often find is that on a new moon, we're trying to call in things, we're trying to create things, we're trying to get things started. And on a full moon day, it's more like harvesting. It's more like harvesting and then throwing some stuff away that's that started to rot. You're like, okay, here is the everything. Now what do I do with it? Another thing of note today is that Venus moves over the true node. So the true node is a way of speaking about the north node in astrology. If you've had a reading with me, we've probably talked about the nodes of the moon in your birth chart. I don't usually talk about them on the podcast, except when I'm talking about eclipses, because they are the points in space where eclipses happen. But this seems significant today because we're looking at so many movements of Venus throughout this month. And as Venus moves over the nodes of the moon after this eclipse in Taurus just happened, Venus is strong in Taurus. There's just, there's a lot of Venusian energy going on. And this conjunction is one that tends to amplify. The north node of the moon amplifies, directs, makes, makes big and, and, and uh, expansive and sort of future-oriented any planet that it touches. Venus, as we've been speaking about, is our pleasure orientation, our value systems, how we love, how we know what we love, how we make ourselves lovable, all of the ways that we reach for and experience the goodness of of connection in this world, whether that's connection with other humans, with animals, with plants, with colors, with smells, with ideas, concepts, all of, all of the pleasure-orientedness uh, of, of this is Venus. Venus in Taurus is so strong. Venus in Taurus is so restorative. Venus in Taurus is here to help us experience embodiment in different ways, in ways that are lower stress, low effort, high reward. Of course, there's a shadow side to Venus and Taurus, like anything. But with this particular aspect, I want to focus on the strengths because the North Node is is here to show us what is possible. And so the highest good of Venus moving through Taurus that this North Node conjunction can help us amplify is one of choosing again and again and again to be here to be fully here, to be like fully here in our bodies, in our hearts, in our relationships, knowing that it's terrible out there, <laughs> knowing that our hearts are broken, knowing that things are wrong and hard and that we are suffering and that there is tremendous uncertainty. You know, all, all the hard things, those are all Scorpio. Taurus balances out Scorpio. Taurus at its best, does not deny Scorpio, does not deny the trauma and the pain and the loss and the potential for more and more and more of that. But what Taurus does is it puts next to that a yes, a yes, yes, yes. All of this is true and also love and also pleasure and also the goodness of our bodies. So this is the potential that I want to offer you for June 16th, which I also want to say is my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Joe. 
if you know and love Abacus Corvus, send a message to Joe on June 16th. Use that. <laughs> Use all of your Venusian powers. Joe is uh, a new mama and does not have all the spaciousness and uh, time for the self-love these days. So I'm just going to put that out there. Outpouring of love for my sister would be a great use of this particular transit. And, you know, outpouring of love to, towards all of your people as well. There are only a few more transits of note this month, and they all involve Venus. So I'm going to give them to you kind of all at once. We have got on the 18th, Venus is squaring Saturn. On the 21st, Venus is trining Pluto. And on the 22nd, Venus moves into Gemini. Also, side note, Sun moves into Cancer on the 21st. We'll talk about that too. But 18th, 20th, 1st, and 22nd are all different Venus movements. So let's talk about those. We begin with the square to Saturn. This is honestly the only rough transit of the whole month. I mean, maybe you'll consider the Venus conjunct Uranus transit kind of hard. It can be unsettling. It can be anxiety producing. But eh, I... I don't consider it that way, so I wish you luck if, if if you are someone who is unsettled by Uranus, but generally I'm like, yeah, conjunction to Uranus seems fine. This square to Saturn can be a little rougher. Squares are harder than conjunctions. Saturn is a colder energy towards Venus than Uranus is. When we have a Venus square to Saturn, it can be a day, and this is June 18th again, this can be a day when we are just feeling a little less loved than we would like to be, whether we're finding it harder to access self-love or love from others, we may not reach out and ask for what we need. We might misinterpret other people's pain as some sort of anger at us. We might misinterpret other people's silence as some sort of abandonment of us. Venus square Saturn days push us to solidify and stabilize in our relationships, even when things aren't feeling fun. And Venus really wants things to feel fun. So this can be a little bit of a downer of a day. If you're feeling any of those things on the 18th, learn what you can around what you can do to self-soothe and to communicate if you're feeling reactive. And then on the 21st, we have a Venus trying to Pluto. A trine, again, is harmonious. This is a positive connection between the two of them. But Pluto, even with a trine, is, is an intense energy. You're getting along with Pluto, but you're getting along with Pluto, you know? Like, Pluto. So, Pluto, whenever we've got Venus touching Pluto, there is the potential for us to go deep, 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 deep into our relationship trauma history, into all of the patterns that were set in motion the very first time anybody betrayed our trust or violated our boundaries or taught us that we cannot be loved and also have needs, that we must tend to others. Whatever your pain is around relationships, whatever your story is around relationships, a day when Venus trines Pluto is a day when you have an opportunity to heal it just a little bit more. But that, that takes energy and willingness and resources and support and all of the things. So don't push yourself too hard if you don't have enough of those things to do much around that on this day. If you are well supported, go to town. It's a good day to get it done, to push that thing through, right? 
if you're not well supported, you can grieve that you are not well supported and you can forgive yourself for not doing whatever big healing work you feel you need to do eventually, right? Give yourself permission in this moment, especially, oh my God, in this world right now, give yourself permission to just be where you are and to be however healed or unhealed you happen to be. And notice, and this is a thing that's very kind to your Venus, notice when some things are just too much effort and when it would feel better to rest. So that's June 21st. Also on June 21st, sun moves into Cancer. It is the beginning of Cancer season. All of our feelings are getting bigger. We're moving from Gemini to Cancer. I'm going to talk a lot more about that in the next episode when we look at the new moon in Cancer. But for now, just wanted to put a placeholder there. We're going to talk about that one soon. The last transit of this podcast is June 22nd as Venus moves into Gemini. Venus is moving into Gemini right as the sun is moving out of Gemini, essentially. They are fairly far away from each other at this point. Venus, I think, can only be 47 degrees away from the sun. It stays pretty close. It's not quite at its farthest point from the sun, but it's pretty far from the sun in this moment. So they're having different feelings. They're in different places. Sun's in Cancer. Venus is in Gemini as we move toward the new moon in Cancer, which will be on June 28th. But this movement from Taurus to Gemini, for Venus in particular, is an interesting one because we are moving from where Venus is strong. You know, Venus in Taurus is really about the senses, is really about maximizing our receptive capacity to take in the things that nourish and restore us and to slow down and to experience the beauty and the release um, and the, the stabilizing, right, of, you know, I, I eat food and my stomach settles and I feel grounded, all the things, right, Taurus. As Venus moves into Gemini, we are moving into intellectual curiosity, social stimulation, a much faster pace, a much more in our heads than in our bodies, and a much more outward focus than inward focus. So Venus in Gemini shifts us from, you know, the Venus story we've been in all month around how do we restore and heal and show up with a fuller, more open heart in all of our connections. This Gemini movement shifts us from that in the Taurus realm of embodiment toward a theoretical, toward a curiosity of what haven't we tried? What could happen next? What could surprise us? How can we be ready for something new? That's exciting. Exciting, different tone. Especially as I make these podcasts, I'm not yet at the point where I'm ready for that aspect to happen. And so I'll be making these podcasts, I'll be writing the horoscopes, and I'll be telling you, this is going to be a good thing to shift this energy. And as I'm saying that, I feel inside myself, and you know, I got some Taurus in my chart. I'm just like, ah, I want to stay in Taurus forever. But when Venus in Gemini comes, we're going to be ready for it. We're going to want it. We're going to be tired of Taurus at that point. We're going to be tired of Venus and Taurus. It gets a little stodgy. So June 22nd, that is the last aspect of this particular lunar cycle. And we will be back for the new moon in Cancer, which happens on June 28th. So look for that episode to drop on June 27th. And I will talk to you then. Have a really good time this month. I hope that you 
experience the most restorative forms of pleasure and connection. Bye.